these are Jesus' words. And uh, I've got a scripture, Matthew 17, 5, and that says, He was still speaking, that's Peter, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son of Jesus, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask God to help us listen and to be his. God, our Heavenly Father, Lord, I do ask your blessing on this time this morning. You know my nervousness, my difficulty in speaking in front of groups. And I pray that you'd help me to speak clearly. And I'd help and ask that it would be received, Lord, into your children's hearts to hear and apply your word, to love you with all of they are, Lord. May you grant us revelation this morning and illumination by your Holy Spirit that we would all be transformed. For we ask it in Jesus' name. All right, so we are in the Gospel of Luke still. The pastor has asked me to preach through Luke 18, verses 15 through 17. So if you can open up to there, that would be great. A wonderful, timely message about a word about children and Jesus. Right before Vacation Bible School, good application for each of us. The context, though, comes on the heels of Jesus' teaching on humility and uh, how that has worked itself out and should work itself in us. But uh, if we could all stand for the reading of God's word, please. Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17 say, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This is God's word. Please be seated. All right, so... uh, I appreciate the time before you guys this morning, and I hope to, to handle the Word of God appropriately. And uh, I want to honor this pulpit. Pastor Bill has been a great preacher for me to, to continue to bring forth the Word of God every weekend. And uh, I was able to meet with him beforehand, and uh, he really encouraged me to pray from the heart. You know, you can't preach a message uh, just out of God's Word. It needs to have affected you. It needs to have worked within you. So I'm glad that God has brought me to Luke 18, 15 through 17, which clearly talks about the children, serving them and loving them and uh, doing that. And, and God's allowed me to do that. And uh, I hope to be able to lead you guys in that uh, this week at Vacation Bible School as well. But we'll start off with verse 15 there, and it says, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. So our first fill in there is that children were brought to Jesus. Garrett's on it this morning. Thank you. So it's good and right for us to bring our kids to Christ, to teach them about God and his love for us, and to pray fervently for their salvation and for their lives, that God would bless their souls. When they're young, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to do this. So let's not miss it. So in our text, actually, parents, nurses, big brothers and sisters were carrying infants, small children, to Jesus. And uh, this time, Jesus 
His touch wasn't used for healing uh, throughout the Gospels. Jesus touched people to heal them. But here it is used in a different way, to bring a blessing and prayer for these little ones. Uh, That's shown to us in uh, Matthew 19 there. Verse 15 says, Then children were brought to him, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And also in Mark 10, verse 16, where it says, And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So your second fill in there is that, uh, gosh, you guys are ahead of me. Jesus prayed. Jesus touched them to pray for them and bless them. And I've really appreciated the time in God's word to study this section. The, the word touch here is more than the word touch in English. Touch can be anything. Touch typically hands. Uh, in Greek, it, it carries a much deeper meaning. It refers to such handling of an object to exert a modifying influence upon it. So if you were to pick up a piece of clay with this type of touch, you would leave a mark on it. And it's just amazing to me that Jesus touched people in this way, those that were touched by Christ. And when we are touched by Christ, we're changed. We're not the same. But you can imagine the setting here that uh, parents are bringing their babies and letting the toddlers run up to Jesus. And Jesus would, with great joy, scoop them up into his arms and pray for them. And when Jesus did this once, guess what? All the parents were like, I'm bringing my child to the anointed one. So they came down front. They wanted this for their children too. For their children were often in the audience with them. It wasn't, you know, leave the kids at home with the babysitters. They, they went where you went. But the disciples would have none of this. Jesus was about important business, teaching and healing. They couldn't allow this work to be interrupted by mere children constantly running up, they began to stop the children and tell their parents in no uncertain terms. And uh, the word translated rebuked here is uh, pretty strong. It says a strong disapproval was given by the disciples to the parents. But uh, the feeling says there are those who tried to hinder them from coming. And it's a good encouragement for us. Do not hinder the children from coming to Christ. And we can hinder children in a a couple different ways. We can do it outwardly, where we stop them from coming, don't bring them to church, don't allow them to come, don't allow them to be in our service. Or it can be done in in an inward way, just being apathetic towards children in general, not caring about them, not praying for them. But we need to understand uh, in the culture how children were viewed So, children were prized by their parents, especially the male children. They were largely ignored as unimportant in society, though. They aren't considered worthy of much adult attention outside their families. So, without question, the status of children was relatively low in the ancient world. And so, the reception of a child did not grant the disciples status or gain. But verse 16 tells us, But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. You can imagine the scene that Jesus rebukes the rebukers. He calls the children back to himself and says, Come here, children. While the frustrated disciples stand red-faced and powerless to stop it. They are supposed to do crowd control for Jesus. But Jesus is keeping them from doing their job. What are they to do? The little children run right by the disciples over to Jesus' lap. He usually sat while he taught. 
And they snuggle up close to him while Jesus lays his hands on them and prays for them. You know, soon all the children in the crowd were breaking out, running up to Jesus, waiting for his touch and prayer. What a beautiful image this is for each of us. And uh, ultimately, a picture of salvation. You know, when we come to Christ, he wraps his arms around us and he prays a blessing over us. So, the fill in there is that Jesus rebukes the rebukers. So, Jesus actually uses this as an occasion to teach as well as to show his love for the children and to make a point to his disciples, an important lesson from the kingdom. And I think it's important for each of us as well. So, verse 16 says completely, but Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Notice Jesus doesn't say that the kingdom belongs to little children or that they are already in the kingdom. He says that those who inherit or possess the kingdom will be like these children. So, we need to remember that the church is not just an assembly of the chosen, but also an assembly of the childlike. Each of us have to come in a way that Jesus will describe here to the kingdom, to him. So let's look into that. So the fill-in is there. And what characteristic of children is Jesus pointing to as an essential characteristic of disciples? So there are several possibilities with that. You know, first of all, is it innocence? Judaism didn't emphasize a child's innocence, but rather a child's uh, immaturity and foolishness. We can relate, right? You know, is it their openness and trust and receptivity? Surely children come running to Jesus with complete openness, complete trust. This is an essential characteristic of being a disciple. But nothing in the context here seems to indicate this for this interpretation. So last of all, is it humility? I think behind door number three is probably the answer. So in the context here of the parable just preceding this, of the tax collector and the Pharisee, the tax collector comes humbly before God. And also, as the disciples have um, consideration of children as unimportant, seems to be in the foreground as well. So to Jesus, the children's humble station itself is symbolic of the humility required to approach God. So the fill-in there I actually got wrong. So one bad for the elder. What does it require to come to Jesus? Uh, The fill-in actually says simple faith. And I would say that it requires humility to come to Christ. So... But, uh, you know, I have quite a few parents out there in the audience today. You guys are going to tell me, children are not humble, Jim. Just look at them. You know, uh, they're selfish and demanding. And in general, think the whole world revolves around them until we teach them differently. But there is a sense that Jesus wants us to catch the humility of a child. And that is that they are helpless and dependent upon their parents for what they need to live, and they don't, at least when they are young, try to deny or escape that dependence. So they are helpless and dependent. And as a rule, they accept 
that and are glad for mommy and daddy's provision. And in those earliest years, they are virtually carefree because they know mommy and daddy will always take care of them. They sleep when everyone else is shaking. They laugh when everyone else is groaning. They lie limp in the stroller when everyone else is tense. And at these times, they are a picture for us of the childlike trust we should have in our God. You have to be humble to acknowledge your helplessness to God and accept the status of a child in a stroller. But the result is just fantastic. God's jealous fatherly love is stirred up for us. And then we are free from anxiety. Who should really rely on God's fatherly love to supply all of our needs? Then we can use that supply to um, meet the needs of the kids around us. So finally, verse 17 there says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Strong words from God. You know, we cannot come to him in a way that we're posturing or bringing our worthiness before him, but we must freely come to him, accepting what he offers from his fatherly hand through simple faith. Instead of like the Pharisee in the preceding parable. So we come before God because God calls us to himself because of his great love for us. What a wonderful call that is too. So these are the truths that I wanted to bring to you today. That there, we should bring our children to Christ. There are those that would hinder. Jesus says don't do that. Do not hinder. And in some ways, do the opposite. You know, Encourage kids to come to Christ. Bring them to Christ yourself. You know, load them up in the van and bring them as many as you can. So, but I want to bring out a certain application from these verses to you, specifically for next week. We're all going to need God's strength for Vacation Bible School. We all know it, it can be long, uh, difficult, frustrating at times, chaotic. But working with these little ones is such a blessing. And... Uh, even if your years have gone beyond being able to be physically with them, we really covet your prayers this week, that God would work within their hearts and in our hearts as well. So, the equipment that I want to bring to you guys. Jesus does not simply give us a teaching, or does not use children as a teaching device. They offer us actually an opportunity to encounter him. Thus, the children become his representative in some way. There is something about a child as a means to encounter the presence of Jesus, which is not reducible to one or more attribute of childhood, such as vulnerability, innocence, or insignificance. So I want us to turn over to Mark 9 for a second, verses 35 and 37. Follow along with me here. Mark chapter 9, verses 35 and 37. So in that section it says, And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. 
Whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. So the first thing that Jesus says in this text is that anyone who would be first, the disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest, he must be last of all and servant of all. And before he says the second thing, he takes a child, a young one, I think, and puts him in the circle of the apostles. Verse 36 says, And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms. So first he sets the child in their midst, and then he picked up the child in his arms. Why did he do this, you may ask? What does this action have to do with the teaching of true greatness that Jesus gave to the twelve in verse 35? I'd say the point is so clear. That Jesus... Uh, doesn't have to point it out clearly, but uh, actually it is clear. The point is that children are among the all that we are to serve. They, you must be the servant of all. For example, here's a child. I'm taking this child in my arms to show you that if you would be great, if you would be great, you must be servant of children. You must take time for children. You must not look down or despise children. You must not say, this is simply women's work. If you would be great, you will not rule out nursery duty. You will pray earnestly about teaching Sunday school. You will think hard about leading a boys' or a girls' club. And you will spend yourself in the fight to overcome the killing of the unborn. It is clear. You must be humble to serve children. There's no political payback in serving them. They don't give you a speech about how great you are. In fact, they pretty much take for granted all that you do for them, all that you give them. They don't make a big deal out of the fact that you pour your life out into theirs. And so children prove more clearly than any other kind of people whether you are truly great and whether you live to serve or to be served. So let me be clear. There are two things that are utterly crucial in caring for children. You guys may have learned these already, but let's see if we're on the same page here. One, first of all, brought out in these verses, are we serving children in Jesus' name? Whoever receives one such child in my name, he tells us, ministering to children in any way but the name of Jesus does not fulfill his will. And the second thing is caring for children in what we do. Excuse me. And the second crucial thing is caring for children is that we do it with a longing in our hearts and our souls to experience more of Jesus and more of the one who sent him, God the Father. Whoever receives one such child in my name, he says, receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. Does that sound like he wants us to long for more of him and more of our Father and to receive kids to do that? Yes. So why does he say this? Why does he bring everything to a focus on God and the value of receiving more of God? Do you ever want to say to Jesus, you know, lighten up, Lord. Does everything always have to focus Or have to be theological? And his answer is clear. Yes, it does. 
everything has to do with God or it is fundamentally distorted. What about the children? So aren't we supposed to serve the children because they're children? They're needy and need us? Surely the answer of Jesus here is this. You serve a child the best, the very best. When you receive a child and care for a child and spend time with a child and hold a child, not in the name of the child or in the name of mankind or in the name of mercy or in the name of America's future, but in the name of Jesus, the Son of the living God. How are we to receive children? The fill-in says, in the name of Jesus. And you serve children best when you receive a child, not merely because your joy is in the child, but first and finally, because your joy is in God. Why is this the best way to serve? Because the most important blessing you can give a child is the all-satisfying centrality of God in their life. And believe me, please, this is caught more than taught. And that's why you must serve them in this way. You must lead them in this way. With the joy of the Lord filling you. The love of God pouring out of you into their lives. That's how God designed us to be. And praise God through the gospel, we have that. If you're saved this morning, God has built in you His love. So much of His love that He wants you to give some of it away. He wants you to give as much away as you can because He's going to fill it faster back up in you than you could give it away. That's what we need to do this week. We have an opportunity to serve kids. Dear friends, please serve them because your love is in God and you desire earnestly to share that with others. Touch them with Jesus' love that He has touched you with. I'm not asking you to give anything you don't have. If you feel like you're empty, ask God to fill you. If you feel you're needy, ask Him to give you what you need. He'll do it as your Heavenly Father. He loves to give good gifts to His children every time we ask. So, and finally, we need to ask for a blessing on each of these kids and every one of these precious little ones that come in this door because they may not know about Christ and they need Him, just like we do. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for the message of Your truth that in Christ we have joy and we have that to share. We have love overflowing and bounding, boundless to give. We would ask that You would bless us to be a blessing to others. You have already blessed us, Lord, with the Gospel if we're saved. I pray that You would move in us, transform us to imitate Christ, to receive Him, the little ones, as He did, into His arms, to bless them, to pray for them. We pray that You would continue to fill our needs for volunteers, Lord, for line leaders, and help with registration. And Lord, in the wonderful prayer team that will be interceding for these kids constantly through this time. You're an amazing God, Lord. We want to praise You and thank You for Your message of truth this morning. Help it to transform us, Lord, to be more like Christ this week. For we ask it in the powerful and precious name of Jesus, our Lord.
Amen. All right. Thank you this morning.